Our very existence depends on this. Black strength. Strength that has carried us for decades, but is undermining an important aspect of our humanity, feeding in on itself. Being strong all the time took away our ability to speak about our weaknesses, our sadness, our mental illnesses. This silence is killing us. Welcome to another edition of the Black Doctor Speak podcast. Black Doctor Speak is your source for vetted, accurate information on African-American health from some of the nation's top doctors and is sponsored by the African-American Wellness Project. Welcome to the African-American Wellness Watch. I'm your moderator, George Strait. During the next few minutes, we're going to get real about prostate cancer. We all know that Blacks get it and die from it more frequently than whites. But what do we do about it? Who do we go to for the best information? And what about the choices that we make and the choices that are given to us? Because they not only affect whether we will live, but also how well we live. Well, we have the perfect experts with the answers. First, the host of the Wellness Watch, Dr. Mike Lenore, who's also a prostate cancer patient, and Mr. G. Bernard Brown, a former prostate cancer patient whose choices have left him very dissatisfied with the advice that he was given, and Dr. Daoud Langford, who treats prostate cancer absolutely every day. Welcome to you all. First, Dr. Lenore and G. Bernard, what went through your minds when you first got that diagnosis that you had prostate cancer? Dr. Lenore, you first. Well, of course, as a doctor, we always think the worst. And so I, I was uh, surprised. Uh, it was not a, uh, anything I anticipated. I'd gone from a routine physical, and as part of that, um, the doctor asked me if I wanted to go through the digital rectal, and he's standing there with the glove. So I couldn't back out on the situation. Uh, when he finished the exam, I could tell he was uncomfortable. Uh, and he said he thought he maybe felt something, and my PSA was a bit high, but not a sky high. Um, uh, and so I said, well, uh, this is something I could have avoided. I should have gotten uh, a PSA more often. Uh, I should have taken steps when I had my last PSA to be more investigative. And now here I am at death's door uh, through no fault of anybody but mine. Uh, and, uh, and I was uh, depressed. G. Bernard, what was your, what was your reaction? Well, after going through three months of testing, uh, my anxiety level was high. But when he said, uh, you have cancer, I didn't hear anything else. Uh, I thought I was going to die. And that was the beginning of a journey in deep depression. And, and uh, I was, I was, I was just wiped out. I mean, I, I didn't function during that two-year period of time. Dr. Langford, you, I know that you, you see uh, prostate cancer patients uh, uh, often in your practice. Given your experience, and how do you handle that first discussion about this diagnosis? Well, my first discussion starts with sort of an orientation. Um, I like to tell patients where they sit. And really, I try to reassure them that over 90% of patients, when treated, uh, actually survive, and this is not a death sentence. So in summary, the first uh, visit is basically discussing your risk, what risk category you're in, and what treatment options that you may have, and also to reassure you that 
97% of people most likely will survive this event. It's just getting through the humps. As, but as a physician, I mean, you, you, when you look across the table or look across the desk and you have this discussion, you, you've got to see this, this anxiety uh, that, that has to be there. So uh, again, what is the, what, what's, what's the kind of conversation that you have and that you would hope that most uh, physicians would have uh, with their patient who has uh, prostate cancer? Well, I think that part of it, as I said, is more of a reassurance. You will not die from this disease. It is completely treatable. Um, also, I always ask people to bring a family member with them so that they can kind of help them weather the storm. If you have your significant other, your wife, or some uh, trusted member of your family with you, uh, once we discuss you know, the actual data about what your prostate cancer is and what risk your prostate cancer, uh, what risk category that you're, you're placed into, then you can kind of relax, sort of be able to be a little bit more clear so that you can start to discuss and start to understand some of the treatment options and make decisions in that regard. I usually have two visits, I mean, sometimes even three. First visit, discuss the new diagnosis. The second visit, discuss treatment options. Dr. Lenore, this is, these things are, are journeys, if you will. And I'm, and I'm wondering, what was your journey like from diagnosis to, to the, the in, in, in the process involved and, and, and also treatment. And um, I'm willing to bet that, uh, that, that you, didn't, you, you didn't have these conversations with your physician uh, alone, did you? Well, uh, no. Well, my wife was present in some of these. And I think uh, once she gets the information, uh, obviously I'm on the track uh, to uh, a, a strategic way to deal with it. Uh, Dr. Lankford was my doctor. And so consequently, we did have this discussion. Uh, the, the thing I think that, that this says to me uh, is that I knew exactly what to do because I'd had a number of discussions about prostate cancer through the years, a number of interviews with people even on the Wellness Watch about what to do. And so consequently, I knew that I had to get a biopsy. I knew that once I got the biopsy, then we had to decide exactly what the extent of the disease was. Once I had decided what the extent of the disease was, I would have three options, watch for waiting, uh, radiation, or surgery. Uh, and so consequently, I marched through all of those processes pretty much unscathed, with the exception of the fact that, that the system itself is flawed. Um, and I was on the table to get a biopsy. Actually, I was, had had the biopsy, and the uh, doctor was placing these gold seeds that they placed for radiation. And as I was laying there, gowned up, uh, the woman from upstairs came down and said that we couldn't do it because she hadn't checked all the insurance issues. So I had to get up remake the appointment. And so I did a couple of things. I remade my appointment and I wrote the chief of urology at UCSF. And I told him exactly what had happened and what it pointed out to me. And I pointed out to him, I had been the chairman of the clinical faculty at UCSF. And if that's the way they treated me, how did they treat everybody else? And I, at the end of it, I suggested maybe racism was involved. And of course, you know, I, the next time I went over there, I was treated like a king. And G. G Bernard, what what was your experience like from from diagnosis through uh, through treatment and uh, and uh, it? Uh, I know that we've 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 had we've had these discussions before. And 
to be kind, I guess that there was a lot to be desired, right? There was a lot to be desired. I immediately, uh, a friend of mine told me about this uh, handbook called from the Prostate Cancer Foundation. And it gave you all of, it explained everything about prostate cancer, your Gleason score and all of the treatments that were available. And one of the things that it said was, uh, don't get testosterone. And after my uh, initial diagnosis, uh, we were taking the watchful, watchful uh, method. And after six months, he uh, said my testosterone was low. And uh, he suggested that I get some testosterone pellets. And I said, well, the book says that you should avoid testosterone. He says, there's no clinical evidence for that. It, it'll be all right. So I took it. Six months later, my PSA had jumped up to from 4.2 to 4.4. And he tells me, uh, you got cancer. We need to make a decision as to what treatments you want. And you got to do it within the next 30 days. And uh, so I talked to uh, my friend uh, who was a urologist and she, she we said that the only way to make sure was to have surgery. I talked to another fraternity brother that was a urologist and even though he frowned when I told him that I had taken testosterone, uh, he too concluded that, hey, you probably, you know, to be on the safe side, uh, you probably need to go on and get it removed. Well, then I scheduled the removal and I get the lab results back. Uh, my PSA never got over 4.4. .4. At 72 years old at the time, uh, that would, would have been normal. But I didn't know that at that time. And when they, the lab results from the prostate cancer came back, they said that I had prostate cancer and only 5% of the prostate gland. But that was after the surgery. That was after everything. And uh, it left me, again, very depressed as to what I can't and could not do. And it, it had a major impact on my life. And as I have said before, uh, I would never recommend surgery to anybody with prostate cancer unless it was life-threatening. That's the only reason that I would have surgery. But I think my doctor sold me the goods and I was very, have been uh, a victim after all of those uh, sessions with him. And, uh, but I did not get him to do the surgery. Yeah, you know, I, I guess Dr. Langford, there are a number, number if, one, if surgery is, is called for, there are a number of different kinds of surgery. Uh, not, I mean, the most radical is to take out the, the entire prostate, but there are others uh, that, uh, where, where the where the complications are fewer, correct? 
Correct. Correct. Um, I think, you know, I'm very, very interesting story. Um, and I'm very sorry that uh, Mr. Brown had to go through that experience with his diagnosis of prostate cancer and going through, uh, going through that, that, that those concerns and those issues. Um, I think that, you know, I would have not have handled his care in that way. I think that, you know, this new diagnosis, it needs to be dealt with, with, with great concern, um, great empathy. You have to show a, a, a large amount of empathy. Um, and really, we have to sort of reassure the patients that we are sort of, you know, going on this journey of treatment uh, with them. Now, that being said, you know, part of the educational process when you meet a new patient or when you're talking to patients in consultation is sort of helping them to understand where they are at, what kind of diagnosis they have. Um, Mr. Brown mentioned the Gleason score. So Gleason score is an issue, PSA is an issue, your age is an issue, and your quality of life is, is one of the greatest concerns when we talk about treatment options. So, so, so part of this, uh, part of the keys to this whole puzzle is helping people to understand where they're at in their diagnosis uh, state and also what treatment options are available to them and helping them to decide and so sort of sharing in this decision making process to decide what uh, treatment option they they desire. And then each treatment each each treatment option has certain risks, certain benefits uh, associated with each treatment option. And so the important thing is everyone understands what risks are associated with each treatment option. Is that the kind of conversation that you had with with uh, with uh, with Dr. Lenore? Yes, yes, of course. You know, um, Dr. Lenore is a very educated uh, man, and he he came in having a, a a very strong understanding of his disease process. But I think that the important po point is to sort of walk the patient through and help people understand which treatment options are available to them based on the disease that they have, and also what are the risks of each disease of each treatment option. So once we understand what are the risks of each treatment option, you can make a decision or you can together with the physician or with your surgeon, make a decision about what the treatment options, um, you know, uh, commonly, you know, it's important to understand what the activity level of each patient is and what they expect after surgery or what they expect after treatment, like radiation. Um, and we can go over those treatment options. If you like, we can go over, um, uh, I, 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 I think we can do that in a second, but I want to go back to, to Jeevanar just for a second. This is the this is the kind of, of conversation that clearly uh, you 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 didn't have. Uh, but one of the things that I think that you mentioned that was very helpful was this pamphlet from the association, and and I'd like for you to, to sort of expand on that uh, because the folks who will be watching this are looking for answers, and 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 th this may be a for folks who, who have prostate cancer or just been diagnosed, this this may not be something that they know about. And so, uh, so if you if you can explain a little bit more about about uh, the value of this of this pamphlet that that you used, uh, I think it would be very helpful for our audience. It was it's from the Prostate Cancer Foundation. It's uh, it, they revise it every year. They're doing uh, annual research, but uh, it had 
all of the, the symptoms, the things that you look for, even had a list of questions that you should ask your doctor to, or in the initial visit after diagnosis. Uh, it's, it, it was very, very comprehensive. It explained everything down to the to the nth degree. And and uh, I'm not a physician. My wife is a physician. I come from a family of physicians. We got ER doctors, uh, ophthalmologists, dermatologists, ENT, all in the family, immediate family. I was set up with my wife's best friend and we talked over the, the my diagnosis over dinner. But I had not, I don't think I shared the, the, the lab results, but just told her what had happened. And uh, she was the one that recommended me to the surgeon to, to take out my prostate gland uh, through uh, uh, laparoscopic, laparoscopically. Mm -hmm. So uh, it was the book, I mean, it even got into uh, down down the line of, of estrogen as a, uh, a, a remedy, mm -hmm. as a remedy. Uh, so, I mean, it, 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 it was very, very, very thorough. And I would definitely re recommend that book, that pamphlet. It's free. You can print it out. You can get it online from the Prostate Cancer Foundation. You know, you know what's, what's, what's interesting is that you're, you're an educated man from, uh, with, with, an, with, a, with, with a direct access to uh, a number of, 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 of physicians who are currently practicing. And Dr. Lenore is a practicing physician, but still both of you uh, were at a some, somewhat of a disadvantage right after the diagnosis because as smart as you are, this is still a, this is still a difficult diagnosis because everybody hears the word cancer, no, almost no matter how, how smart you are or how, or how much you know. So what I'm wondering, Dr. Lenore, is what, what is what is the story then for folks who will be watching this program who aren't as connected uh, as as you and and G. Bernard? Well, I think that you you have to get whenever we get get you get health information, make sure you get vetted and trusted health information. I wonder from um, Mr. Brown why he didn't take the uh, advice of the pamphlet that he had from the Prostate Cancer Foundation. I mean, they're the people that know what to do, and they're vetted, and they have a long history uh, in this whole arena. Uh, I think that I always talk to people about advocates uh, whenever you have a, a medical problem. And an advocate can't be your brother or sister. They don't know no more than you know. I mean, uh, your best friend or your friend's best friend, you need to check out the people that you're dealing with from your primary care doctor all the way through any specialist. And if you have any questions, you can ask for a second opinion. I think the way Dr. Lankford handled it, I mean, he, he did, even though I had an idea of what I wanted to do, he went through all the explanations and explained the, not only the advantages of the business therapy, but the disadvantages. And I'm sorry that they didn't tell Brother Brown about the disadvantage of, of surgery and things that can happen. 
uh, as a result, because there are some instances where surgery is the best option. But I think it has to be a situation where it's been thoroughly discussed uh, and you understand not only the advantages and why you are recommending a particular procedure for a particular patient, but you have to understand the downsides. For instance, with radiation, once you radiate it, you can't have surgery. I mean, so there are lots of disadvantages from radiation. But I think what it means is that you've got to have vetted, trusted sources. And I don't believe in getting medical care from friends. I don't. Dr. Lankford, uh, with a few seconds that we've got left, uh, if you can go over the basic, the basic treatments for, uh, for, uh, for prostate cancer and the different kinds of surgery and the, and the, and the side effects from, 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 from all of them. Well, not going to be able to do that in a couple seconds, but <laughs> I do my best. Um, I think, you know, let's, let's just put them into boxes. Diagnosis of prostate cancer. Once someone is diagnosed with prostate cancer, we have to understand what risk category they belong to. There's low, medium, and high. This is a gross uh, sort of uh, mm -hmm. simplification, but let's just look at it as gross, medium, and high. Each risk category has different options for treatment. The three major options for which we treat prostate cancer is active surveillance, which really isn't a treatment. It's more of watching the disease. These are diseases that are very low risk. And then we selectively treat when those diseases change, when they become more aggressive, when they progress. We have surgery. And there's a few different kinds of surgery, but if you just group them into one category, surgical intervention, that is removal of the entire prostate or treatment and in, in sort of uh, killing or, 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 or ablating parts of the prostate surgically. And that is, in the last but not least, there's radiation. And so there's different forms of radiation. There's forms of radiation where you put seeds or pellets into the prostate. And then there's forms of radiation where you actually direct radiation toward the prostate from outside of the body. Um, the risks, benefits, and alternatives. So when we look at those, you know, the benefit of treating prostate cancer should be treating prostate cancer as clinically significant. Prostate cancer that can either hurt you uh, hurt your quality of life, affect your, your, your quality of life. The two quality of life factors are sexual function and urinary function, your ability to control your urine and your ability to have uh, erections, okay? Or prostate cancer can have you die, uh, you know, kill. It can, cause, it can cause death. So those are the times when we treat prostate cancer, when they can affect your quality of life or they can affect your actual life, okay? Um, those are the benefits. The risks of these treatments are also effects of your quality of life, i.e. the urinary function and the, and, the, and the sexual function. So those are risks in each category. Every category of treatment has a risk associated with it. Um, and so we could get into the details, but that has a lot to do with each particular procedure and treatment. But if, if we can just look at it from a global perspective, if we look at the treatment of prostate cancer, we look at there's active surveillance where you selectively treat when the cancer progresses and becomes clinically significant, there's surgery of the prostate, and then there's radiation to the prostate, okay? Uh, and, and grossly, you know, if you just look at the bigger picture, the risks associated are risks to your life and also risks to your quality of life. And the quality of life factors we're looking at is sexual function and urinary function. 
Uh, gentlemen, this has been a, a, a let great... Me, let me just say this. Sure, uh, sure, you uh, At all times while I had cancer, I was at the lowest level, mm -hmm. uh, lowest, lowest everything. And, and I, my surgeon told me that uh, it could possibly in, in, interrupt my sexual life for two years. Uh, and it, it, but he still said that he would do it. And he, he did robotically, he did a good job. Uh, but, uh, by all means, I, I would say that you, you want to avoid that surgery unless it's life threatening. That's, that's, that's my take on it. And, and I have had a long time uh, since 2019 to think about it and, and, and have uh, been, been subject to uh, a hard time uh, with my sexual life. So I guess there's, there's, there's one more question for you, uh, G. Bernard, and that is... Well, let, uh, let, me say, let me say one thing in regards just, to that. Can, can you hold on just, just, just one second? Uh, G. Bernard, was, uh, was, your, was your physician an, an African-American? Uh, he was not an African-American. I think he was from India. Mm -hmm. But the surgeon, the surgeon was uh, Asian. Uh, my friends that I conferred with, both the the male and the female, were black. And, and Dr. Lankford, you wanted to get in there? No, I just wanted to say that from you know it, it really hurts me to see that you've had you know you had a bad go, um, and I really you know please reach out to me offline so we can work some some of these issues out together. I think that, you know, the surgery is not just the only part of the of the journey that your surgeon is involved with or your urologist is involved with. Your urologist should be involved with the entire journey. So that means helping build you back up. Um, these kind of things happen to everybody, no matter what treatment option that you decide on. These issues happen to everyone. But we have solutions, you know, and, 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 and we can help you. And, and, and try to make you whole again. So feel free to reach out to me so we can work through these issues um, and we can address your concerns. And I think that that's very important for the listeners uh, to, to understand that, you know, your surgeon, your physician, your urologist, their, their job isn't just to treat you at that one point, at that one focus in time when they find out you have cancer. No, their, their treatment, their, 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 job is to treat you throughout your entire life for, for your entire life to optimize your health so um i just want to say that i feel it's very unfortunate i'm I, you know i'm very you know empathetic with what happened with you um but you're not alone there are a lot of people that have had bad goes and there is hope and we can you know we can do things to help you know, solutions is really what uh, what we're all about here at the African American Wellness Project, and uh, I want I want to thank everybody for for a a, a very meaningful discussion, a hard discussion, uh, a candid discussion, um, and it's one that could go on for a while, but I think we've uh, we we've run out of time. So I'd like to thank uh, uh, G. Bernard, Dr. Langford, and and Dr. Lenore.
and thank all of you who have watched. As I said, our goal is not just to raise problems, but to give you some strategies to help solve them. And of course, you can get a lot more information on prostate cancer and a number of other issues as well on our website, aawellnessproject.com. That's aawellnessproject, all one word, dot com. Dr. Lenore, any final thoughts for, for you? For yeah, you? I think that the uh, Prostate Cancer Foundation, just as Mr. Brown has said, uh, has some really good information uh, as well, always up to date, always relevant, always sensitive. And thanks to Dr. Langford. What he's saying is that, you know, your sexual function can be restored. Uh, so that he's talking about the journey doesn't end with just the surgery. Uh, if you're having problems, there are often sometimes solutions to those problems. So I, I think that my point is, when you make a decision about where you're going to get your health care and who you're going to get it from, make certain that they're vetted and trusted and experienced. Uh, and don't let that be your brother, your cousin, your uncle, who knows something about this or that. Make sure you check credentials, experience, uh, and outcomes. And feel empowered to do that. Exactly. Th thank you all very much. If you enjoyed our show, please remember to hit the subscribe button so that new episodes are delivered directly to you every week, as well as rate us on Apple Podcasts, Google, Spotify, TuneIn, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. And remember, listening to our show is as simple as telling your Alexa, Siri, or Google to play the Black Doctor Speak podcast. Take care, everyone.